0: Welcome to the Tyson Edwards Podcast. This episode is brought to you by One Planch It's actually not brought to you by anyone, but I'm using this opportunity to plug One Planch Man, my planche and pike press to handstand training series. 10 episodes, a simple edit. I've just wrapped the series. I trained over the winter in Australia. Did I get my goals of the straddle planche and pike press to handstand? You'll have to check it out on YouTube for free. Have a look over there, links in the description. And also head over to my freshly launched website www.thetysonedwards.com and purchase the One Planche Man document a document I slaved over to summarize the best exercises, the best bits from One Planche Man. I did experiment with a few things, but this document includes the best things from what I learned through the One Planche Man series to take away and to include in your training, whether it be for the straddle planche or any planche variation and the pike press to handstand. One thing I did find that I'll mention here on the podcast is there was a decent amount of overlap between the straddle planche and the pike press to handstand. Straddle planche representing more of a strength-based body weight goal, and the pike press to handstand representing more of a mobility and body control type goal, but there was still overlap. So you might find it of benefit as well to include both those goals in your program at the same time because they can both be worked yet both improve something different about body weight training. Today's episode, we're going to cover a widely known supplement. We're going to cover a specific issue with body weight training. When can I get into it? There's a certain facet, which I won't mention till I get to it, that I think you should address before you start body weight training. And then finally, we're going to end on something, just a small thing, a small question I had asked to me, and then we'll wrap it up from there. How's your week been? Mine's been okay. It's actually not been the best. I've moved house the third time in a year. I hate moving enough, I've done it three times, I'm at my wits end, I just want to stay in one place, I want to be someone that's open to change, but not this much change, (laughs) you get settled, in a sense, you get comfortable, you get comfortable with a routine and this constantly being uprooted. I hope it's over now. It's a good place. I assess it for training. (laughs) That's what I look at a lot of places, a lot of locations. Can I stretch here? Can I hang here? Can I do handstands here? Can I do weights here? And it's a pretty good place. So just kind of getting settled from that. There's still a bunch of boxes everywhere around, but it's been unnecessarily, or well, necessarily actually, distracting to some of the other training things that I want to do, but you've got to unbox your shit. So I'm doing that. Uh, apart from that, I've started an acting acting class. That's great. I'm Shakespeare. Now that's great. If you want to hear more about that, comment and I'll let you know. Otherwise, I just thought I'd say it in passing as something that I think is really good for a lot of people in terms of confidence boosting and getting comfortable in the uncomfortable. I'll leave it at that, and if you want to know more about it, I can talk about it more if there's a demand for it, but I'm really enjoying it. So let's get on with the first topic of today that I wanted to talk about. The reason behind this podcast is it's things that I want to say that I don't necessarily need to put a lot of time into making a YouTube video for, and you just want to throw it out there hopes of helping you guys. So what's the supplement? What's this mainstream supplement you're talking about? It's coffee. Now, before we get to coffee, I'm not terrible with money, but I could be better. So one thing I'm trying to do is not eat out as much. I love eating out. I love food, but when you look back at the week that just went, you can be surprised how much friggin' money you just spent on getting fries with that. Well, not necessarily fries, but it adds up. So, I've been trying to cut back on that and buying more groceries to last longer, to make meals, the last over days because I don't like the stuff I cook or create or just buy to eat straight away at home. There's just an excitement about eating out that's hard to curb when you're not going to go broke by doing so. So it's not like I'm extremely poor and it's not like, definitely not like I'm extremely (laughs) wealthy. One Lamborghini please. Uh, But when you look back on it, after a week, and you you ask yourself, is that necessary? No, it's not. So I'm trying to do that less. But one thing I'm really having trouble with is cutting out coffee out. Now, I love coffee. Black coffee. That's all I drink. Long Blacks is what they're called in Australia. Americano is what they're called when I was in the UK. Is it called Americano in America? I don't even know if it matters. I just drink black coffee. That's all it is. It's the, the coffee from Coffee Beans. <laughs> oh, do good work, please. Um, so, yeah, I love drinking coffee. Now, what got me on to drinking coffee was not, oh, when you become adult, people start to drink this bitter black stuff. It was that it perks you up. And when I was at university studying for my bachelor's in medical science, um, sometimes you needed to cram, you needed to study and study a lot. And I never stepped into the Adderall era, but coffee was something I'd never had and thought I'd try it. And the first time I tried it, it was like maybe the first time you have had pre-workout or had your very first energy drink. There's something about that first time where your body's never had that kind of thing before. And from just drinking black coffee, it seems stupid. I'm talking about black coffee like it's frigging Adderall or Speed or something. But it had a significant effect on me. It increased my motivation. I felt more inspired. I felt way more social and, I guess, confident came along with that. And it just felt like it improved me as a person. So things that I was already interested in or motivated to do, the coffee seemed, I guess the caffeine, seemed to tr- emphasize that. It made me happier, made me more excited. It made me more motivated to go and achieve what my goals were. And in this case, I guess the initial time made me more talkable social. Let's talk about the subjects for this exam and more interested to study. So that's where my initial love of coffee came from. So I started, even after that first time, I think years went by before I started drinking it more consistently. Um, oh, good. Let's insert ums into the podcast. Um, um, uh, That's where it stemmed from, and I didn't start drinking it. I I knew it was great, but didn't start drinking it more consistently until years went on. Now, I drink it consistently. Now, I get a headache if I don't have one after, say, two days. Winning! Some would think that's a negative. Uh, I also think it's a negative in terms of, you don't want to be, your body, whether you like it or not, like have a thirst for it. (gasps) I'm addicted to the clunge, you know, if you (laughs) you mentally have an addiction to something. This is more a chemical addiction where your body... My body is, in a way, dependent on it because it's used to getting it now, and if it doesn't get it, it has certain withdrawal symptoms. Don't like that, but... I feel mentally strong enough that if I didn't want to have it, I could cut it out, deal with the headache or whatever that would then pass and be okay. I don't feel like, oh, like I, have, I haven't had it now. I'm up in the morning getting ready to go somewhere. You know, I, I can do it. I can do it, man. Could I just have one today? I don't feel dependent on it. I think I just used that word in a different context, but I don't feel dependent that I have to have coffee, but I don't feel it's detrimental to my health because I don't abuse it. I'm not, three shots in a latte, please, and, and, and a sugar, five sugars. You know, it's just black coffee, one equivalent shot, and that's it. And I don't feel that is at all detrimental to one's health. I think it can be in a small way detrimental to be dependent on something. I've got to have it. If I don't have it, life's over. But in terms of what it does to your body, I don't think it damages anything through consuming it. And the positives, the upside to it, improves my quality of life. So that's why I enjoy the odd coffee here or there. And How that comes into the money thing, it's just something that I've been thinking of lately, given I'm trying to budget a bit more and not eat out, is there's something about the coffee out. (laughs) And I don't mean Starbucks or McDonald's or Dunkin' Donuts, that's not even in Australia, I don't drink just any coffee, you would call me, a coffee snob, (laughs) you'd call me a coffee snob, I wouldn't, if, I wouldn't get coffee just from anywhere, I don't drink instant coffee, it has to be the fresh bean, from somewhere exotic, like, Ecuador, El Salvador, Kenya, Brazil, has to be somewhere, single origin. I'll drink a house blend if I have to every now and then, but I seek good quality coffee. Now I buy good quality coffee, I have it at home, I use an Aeropress. Oh But there's something about getting your coffee from a ten thousand dollar machine <laughs> which makes the three to four dollars you spend seem okay. And that's the predicament is coffee seems to add something very positive to my life with very little, if any downside, that and when you have a passion for something oh, I want to be a coffee bean when I'm older when you have a passion for something whatever it is I feel that's what you should invest your time in so you see some people, right oh, I'm into training but I don't want to buy a squat rack with a barbell and weight plates or I don't want to buy rings well why? because the squat rack's expensive I mean I guess you couldn't say that for rings because they're pretty affordable but yeah the, the point being oh they don't want to put that much money into it or whatever but if you look at it as an investment in terms of if you buy a good quality squat rack barbell and weight plates, it will last your lifetime. It will be there every day. so for the one to two thousand dollars that it costs for that equipment, you could probably get it even cheaper for good quality and good quality. but For that much, you're getting a lifetime's worth of squatting, deadlifting. It's You almost can't put a price on it, but you can, and that price is not even that much when you consider what you'll get out of it. Why the hell am I talking about, oh yeah. Uh, my, My point is that If I buy a bag of coffee beans, say a 250 gram bag for 10 bucks, that'll last two months. But if I buy this coffee out, it costs more, but it's also great quality coming from a really expensive machine. What am I talking about? I'm just basically saying... Love coffee, adds to my life, trying to cut back on getting things out. One thing I haven't is coffee because I like it. Do you relate? Yes! Let's move on to this one aspect of a human being that I think needs to be addressed before you start body weight training. Now I believe body weight training is for everybody. All ages, men and women, it can be so, it's so scalable. it can be for the weakest person or the strongest person. It's just so good. But there's one thing I believe that should be addressed in an individual before they really get stuck into body weight training. And, this may be controversial, it's your weight! It's your body weight. (laughs) It's how much you weigh. I don't believe that an obese person, an overweight person, really has a place intensely, passionately pursuing body weight training. Now, the reason I think this is not because, oh, you're on, I mean, it I kind of is, but I'm putting it in a tone where uh, this isn't coming from a place of prejudice It's coming from a place of Efficiency And health And doing the right thing first And that is that You don't have to be the smallest Most anorexic Lean cut well, The lean cut would help But you know You don't have to be A tiny person To do bodyweight training But you also have to understand that any weight you have either helps or takes away from how easy it is or how difficult it is to perform a body weight skill and also how much stress is on the muscles and the joints when performing them. And when you have excess body fat, Fat, which hangs off of you which can't be contracted it can't help pull a muscle contract a muscle and activate it all it does is hang there and weigh you down and when you're performing skills or trying to perform skills like the support position on rings or handstands or the iron cross, that fat is push, what is it? Without <laughs> how gravity works. I mean, in a handstand, it's a bunch of unnecessary weight on the wrists. In an iron cross, it's a mass amount of unnecessary stress on the biceps tendon. It's Excess weight as part of the exercise that doesn't need to be there. And when you're a beginner So I've I've never been overweight. It's coming from a tone of friggin' No, I've I've never been overweight. And I'm saying that for this point I've never had any excess weight that's been extra on top of. And even for me, my wrists can get stressed from handstands. My biceps tendon can get stressed from back levers, from iron cross, from planche training. My shoulders can get stressed from planche training, handstands. It stresses me, someone who's fit, Someone who's been training a long time. That's not to say if you're carrying excess weight you can't have a level of fitness greater than the average person. But if it can do that to someone like me, then the risks of injury through unnecessary overload of stress due to having more fat than you should warrants that you should take care of weight loss, prioritise taking care of losing your excess weight before you really get into bodyweight training. And that's a safety thing. Now, the other thing is bodyweight training is training. And if someone out there who is overweight or obese loves body training, who <laughs> am I to take that from them? At least they're training and moving. True. You need to enjoy what you're doing. You need to have an overriding purpose. Otherwise, you're not going to be as motivated and inspired as you can be to get up every day and work towards it. So if that's the only thing, but I feel, for me, I could feel like that where I've got to lose weight and body weight training is the only thing that I enjoy, so that's what I'll do. But if someone out there can raise a point that I can't refute. That is, it's not the safest, most practical, efficient way to go about body weight training or training in general. Then I'm always open to changing my mind because I like to think I have a logical mind. so if it makes logical sense, this new point that I hadn't considered, I would change my mind and be motivated. For that For me, I was talking about food before If I know something's Healthy for me Even if it doesn't taste good I can still Enjoy it Because I get a kick out of Putting something good into my body It's twisted, I know So just hear me out With this body weight thing Is If you Well When I do body weight training, and there's someone overweight or obese that likes to do it, it's all they like to do, at least they're doing something, think about that fact that it can be unnecessarily dangerous for your joints, for your muscles, given it is specific skills, with specific emphasis, depending what skill, on parts of your body, it's not like a squat, you know, a handstand puts a lot of pressure on the wrist in particular, a back lever puts a lot of stress on that, biceps tendon in particular, consider that, and then also consider, I can have intense workouts from my bodyweight strength training activities, but it doesn't really tire me out. I can, in the winter months, go through a workout without really breaking much of a sweat. Now you could say, you're not trying hard enough. And it's not me boasting, oh, I don't break a sweat when I'm training for Iron Cross. It's not that either. It's just, it's not the type, it's skill-based training. You're working through movement, you're learning movement patterns and working through positions consistently so your body adjusts and then the next session you get a little bit better, a little bit better until you're comfortable, you're building, you're working towards positions, you're learning skills. When, you, when a, uh, an overweight or obese person goes to a trainer, a personal trainer, a nutrition expert, what type of training do I need to do? The, P, the PT doesn't go, well, the main thing that works when obese people are trying to lose weight is to learn skills. Skill acquisition will help the weight go. You don't hear that. What you hear is. <laughs> what you hear is higher intense, sorry, higher volume training. Activities that get your heart rate up. Yes strength-based training has a place, but it's that training that gets your heart rate up consistently is what helps the most towards losing weight. There's other things to consider, of course. Oh, if you're overweight or obese, you likely have other issues in terms of your mobility, in terms of you're this heavy with hamstrings and a lower back as weak as a 145-pound person. This is why you have lower back pain. You know, it's there's other things to it, but talking strictly for losing weight, it's getting the heart rate up, keeping it up. It's that kind of training, which body weight training isn't. So concluding on that, If you are overweight or obese, I believe you should target getting rid of that excess body fat, getting out of that overweight, obese range, and then you can pursue body weight training more consistently. Now, I'm not saying an overweight or obese person can't Do bodyweight training, partake in their bodyweight training. I'm not saying you can't, I'm just saying my opinion of it is if you want to get into bodyweight training and you're overweight or obese, losing that weight should take priority because a lot of the exercises, a lot of the skills involved in bodyweight training and bodyweight strength training put stress, a lot of stress on joints and muscles, which can take some time to get used to. You need to build up to it, condition your body, and I believe having excess weight magnifies the risk of injury and stress on your body. And on top of that, it's also not the best method to lose weight. So if you love it, keep incorporating bits of it, but understand it's not the best way to lose weight. And the sooner you lose that weight, the safer your body weight training will be, and the more productive your body weight training will be. That's my take. Now we'll wrap up with one question I got They asked, any tips on holding the handstand on P-bars? Parallel bars, that is. I can perform a handstand on flat, but I have trouble on the bars. Any tips? This isn't a very... This question does not require an in-depth answer. The answer is consistency. That's just a little bit different. When you're performing a handstand on flat ground, you can't pull on anything. All you can do is push through the fingers or push through the palms. And the perfect is a balance in between the two where you don't have to push either way, you're in the middle. But to adjust, you're either pushing through the fingers or pushing through the palm. When you're on the P-bars, you can push. When you wrap your index finger and thumb around the top, I don't know the best word to describe this, the top or the front of the bar, you can push against that by driving your I mean, your thumb's wrapped around the side, but the base of your thumb, you can push that into the P-bar, which would be the equivalent of pushing your fingers into the ground. That's one way to balance. But then the other, so when you're doing it on flat, and you're coming back, like your feet are about to come back down to the ground, you would push through your palms on flat. On P-bars, You pull against that same area where. Sorry, let me backtrack. Oh my god, I should start the podcast again. I've made a mistake. So on flat, if you're going to go over, you're going to fall forwards, you push through your fingers. On P bars, that area I was talking about, the base of your thumb, which is on top of the P-bar, that pushes against the P-bar if you're gonna go over the top. And if you're gonna come back down, your feet are just coming back down, you're losing balance that way. On flat, you push your palms into the ground, or you try to, but on P-bars, it's the same area that you just pushed against to not go over except now you pull against it and it's, it's a motion in the wrist. Hold your hand out in front of you, palm facing you, close into a fist and now move your wrist side to side. Now, put your hand as if you're on a P-bar. Out in front of you, you're holding onto a bar and do the same thing with the wrist. And though that movement is what pushes and pulls for balance when you're holding on to the bars, probably not the best question to answer in audio version. Probably would need a video. But that's the difference. And there is a difference. And if you train all the time on one, if you're training all the time on flat, P-bars are gonna feel different. And if you train all the time on P-bars, like I do, flat's gonna feel different. And it's always gonna take a little bit of getting used to until you feel comfortable away from the, or the floor's not an apparatus, but away from the Pull that you were using it takes a little bit of getting used to and that's where the consistency comes in what do you prefer flat or bar I think most people would prefer flat I think flats I think they're both good Flat, perhaps more practical for the average enthusiast of bodyweight training, but I prefer the bar. I feel like I have more control and I feel like it doesn't stress the wrist, so I never have to worry about overtraining in the sense of the stress on the wrist. I mean, when I started front squatting, my, and I had the proper rack position of an Olympic lifter, it killed my wrists. the front squat but i just kept doing it and the pain went away and i got used to it and now my wrists have the mobility to put up with that perhaps that would happen in the handstand if i trained it on flat all the time it didn't feel like it and i've just always been comfortable on the bars and it's always translated well for me for other things and the only time not being consistent with flat ground handstands has been when I've had photo opportunities whilst traveling and had to just hold a handstand on the fly. And that is, a, I guess that's a significant disadvantage. So I should train it on flat a little bit more. very comfortable in the handstand, but it's one of those things that you have to train every day. Be very consistent with it or it will leave you. So train both. Doesn't matter if you lean towards one or the other. Don't feel like you're doing a naughty. Do what's most appropriate for you. That's the podcast, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the third episode. Open to receiving suggestions on what to talk about. Happy to ramble on what's interesting to me, but also happy and very interested if you guys have any suggestions. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you for the next one. This podcast was brought to you by One Planche Man. Well, it's actually not a sponsor. It's my own training series on YouTube. You can watch all 10 episodes for free. It follows my training towards Straddle Planche and the Pike Press Two Handstand. The training series is a simple edit with either a voiceover or on camera tips and explanations and comedy as I train towards those goals. In addition to this free training series, I slaved over creating a document the One Planche Man PDF, which can be purchased from my website, thetysonedwards.com. This PDF has my blood, sweat, and tears in it. I've extracted the best exercises from my winter training, the One Planche Man series. I experimented with a lot of exercises. This PDF contains the best exercises. The ones I found worked the best worked to improve and give me the best progress, the best effects towards the straddle planche and pike press to handstand, condensed into one document, 21 pages of exercises with explanations, set and rep schemes, and when to best include them into your program and what to expect from them. Head over to the website, my website, freshly launched again, www.thetysonedwards.com and you'll locate One Plant Man from there. I made it the home page. Check that out and I'll see you for the next episode.